please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26, we're going to be reading the first six verses. And uh, we're in a series about Isaac and Jacob. And this chapter is really the one strong chapter that's all about Isaac. It's really uh, all about Isaac. Isaac is the, the one of the patriarchs. You know, the patriarchs are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Isaac is the patriarch that we have the least information about. Uh, but this whole chapter is really about him. And it's about God extending the mission, the vision to the next generation. Uh, God had spoken to Abraham in the, the previous generation, say, actually, at this point, say, 60, 70 years ago, something like that, um, to Abraham, established this covenant with Abraham. And now, in this chapter, he's going to be doing it with, uh, with Isaac as well. And he'll be looking, he'll be, what we'll see is Isaac in his circumstances, in his circumstances, and, so, and Isaac's going to be in a difficult circumstance uh, in this chapter. It's very interesting to me that uh, God's covenant, the covenant that he established with Abraham and with Isaac, were both uh, instituted. God reached out to them and, and extended this covenant to them during some of their most difficult circumstances. God spoke to them in their hardest times. And I think that that is something that we all need to, to remember, that God speaks to us in our hardest times. And he's going to give Isaac a command. He's going to give him a command, a very clear command. And then he's also going to give him, knowing that the command is difficult, he's going to give him some assurances, some assurances. And then he's going to let him sort of get a glimpse of the future, what the, the end result, give him a promise of what the end result will be. So let's pray. And then we'll get into our scripture passage. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what it teaches us. Lord, help us to see uh, in this passage of scripture today what you are teaching us, the message you had for Isaac, the message you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Genesis chapter 26, starting in verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine in Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech king of the Philistines in Gerar, all right? So there's a famine. What is a famine? A famine is just a time when there's not enough food. And if you ever look at the pictures of the Middle East, you can understand why famines are common there. It's a desert. There's not a whole lot there to eat. Uh, and yet there's a huge concentration of people there. So whatever resources there are, are overextended all the time. So there are famines. Things, things happen. There are not, uh, you know, World Vision. I, I know a guy that works for World Vision. And you know, these days, they classify a famine, a true famine, where people are starving to death as a man-made disaster. Why? Uh, because most of the places, if you see in the world today where there's anybody starving, it's because there's a person wanting them to starve. There's a person withholding food from them. The countries of the world are banded together now enough where no matter where there's a famine, no matter where there's a drought in the world, no matter where there's not enough food anywhere, we can get a whole boatload of food to people pretty quick in this world. But any place that there are people literally starving to death, it's because somebody is blocking that food, stealing that food, making sure that they don't get it. They're using hunger as a weapon. But in, the, in this day, in this day, well, guess what? It's a little different. It's a little different. When a drought comes, you don't have uh, ships and harbors where people are just bringing food, material aid for people in need, uh, just be, out of the kindness of their heart, out of the charity that they have. It doesn't happen. So when droughts and famines and disasters come, people are 
uh, in a world of hurt. And at this point, uh, Isaac is in a world of hurt. And it's, it, it emphasizes here, besides the previous famine, uh, famine from Abraham's time. So here in a uh, hundred-year span, there are two severe famines in the land, okay? And Isaac did, uh, Isaac did what the logical thing is. He did what the logical thing is. He packs up, and he starts heading to somewhere else where there's more food. Abraham, uh, if you remember that story, he packed up and went to Egypt. Why? There are no famines in Egypt. You know that? I mean, it, it's not that it rains more in Egypt. It's not that there's just lush green pasture land everywhere in Egypt. But what do they have in Egypt that nobody else has? The Nile River. The Nile River. They have water continuously. No matter what rainfall is happening up, uh, up around us here, we have got a constant flow of water every single year. In fact, every year it, it overflows its banks and it blesses the entire land with water everywhere. In fact, you have to be careful. You've got to get out of its way while it's flooding. But it floods every year. They've got, they've got the Nile. Whew. They don't have to worry about famine. So the, the temptation, I think you see this several times in the Old Testament, the temptation always is to leave your area where there's a famine and go to Egypt. You go to Egypt, okay? Now, uh, to extend all of this to us, to extend all of, uh, of this to us, um, there are famines in your life. There are not literal famines. There are metaphorical famines that come about in any time in our lives. There are times of hardship. There are lean times. There are times when uh, life is not as easy as it was. Maybe some of you might feel like today, I'm living in a famine right now. My life is not as fruitful. It's not as abundant as I wanted it to be. I wouldn't call this the good times. I would call this the hard times. I would call this the lean times uh, in my life. You may be out of work. You may be underemployed, okay? It's not that, not that you don't have a job at all, but it's not a job that can support the lifestyle that you had set up for yourself uh, in the past. Or you might feel like this job is sucking the life out of me. This job is very difficult. This job is not, it's not easy for me to go to this job, work with these people, work under this boss, work in this company, work in these conditions. Uh, it's very difficult for me. So you, you feel like I'm in a, a bit of a famine right now. Uh, financially in your life, you may, you may feel like, you know what, it's lean times. We're having to make sacrifices, uh, sacrifices we didn't plan on making, sacrifices we didn't know we were going to have. Um, and and, and it, it's lean times right now. Or you might feel like, you know what, uh, it's really in my marriage, in my marriage or in my relationships with the people that are closest to me uh, in my life. I feel like it's lean times. There's not that much affection right now. Everybody here, we're all just kind of roommates right now. There's just... Um, we're just kind of sort of cordial to each other, but we, everybody in this household has, sort of has parallel lives. We actually don't, don't have much connection with each other. We're all just living parallel lives here. Uh, there's, a, there's a famine of affection and love in our household right now. Everybody's uh, biting at each other. Everybody's at each other's throats, whether it's uh, a husband and wife together or whether it's uh, parents and children. You're just at each other's throats all the time, and, and you're all living parallel lives. You don't even know what's going on in each other's life. There's a, a, a famine of family, a famine of affection uh, in the household right now. And so uh, you may feel a little bit like Isaac and say, you know what? Uh, my temptation is to just pack up and leave. I got to get out of here. I can't stay here. I can't stay uh, in this job. I can't stay in this house. I can't stay with these people. And it, it even extends to churches. It even extends to churches. There are times, um, there are times when Church life is not that easy. There are times when uh, uh, it's just not being as fruitful as we thought it would be. 
okay? Uh, there are times in this church's history, especially as it comes to financial times, uh, I, don't think, I don't know if there was ever a, a famine of faith in this church, but there was certainly a famine of dollars. There was a famine of, of offerings. There were times when they had to uh, very much pay the bills strategically, okay? When is each one due? And hold out as absolutely as long as you can because we need to make sure that we can get one more offering before we pay this because right now we can pay the electric bill, but the water bill's coming due uh, as well. And uh, uh, we don't have the money. We, we, have, we have money for one bill. We don't have money for two uh, bills right now, but maybe in a few weeks we will. And so they had to strategically uh, plan things out like that. There have been times in this church's history when there was sort of a, a famine of leadership and nobody really knew who was in charge or knew what to do or, or and everybody, but people were stepping up and saying, okay, I, uh, I'm not the best at it, but I'll do something, something like that. So there, there have been different kinds of famines in this church and you may have come from a church or been involved in a, a church in the past where you went through times of famine when there was a, a sort of a famine of Bible teaching. There was a famine of leadership, or there was a famine of facility, or there was a famine of, uh, of offerings or whatever, or there was a famine of uh, a ministry, outward ministry to people in the community. And you may have felt like Isaac there too and said, you know what, got to get out of here. Got to get out of here. I cannot be here uh, anymore. I, I'm, and and you, were, you were tempted to leave. And there are times to leave. There are times to leave. Just make sure that you are leaving uh, at the Lord's command. Now, let me just back up here and talk about Isaac for a moment just to, get, to give you a little bit of a, of a picture. Uh, they're, they're, okay, so Abraham is from Ur over here. He first migrated up to here, and then God called him out of here to come down to land of Canaan here. Jerusalem is here, but even during the time of Abraham and Isaac, Jerusalem wasn't called Jerusalem, and there were pagans living there at the time. Um, and Abraham, at the end of his life and most of Isaac's life, there's this little town, you probably can't even read it here, called Beersheba, Beersheba, and it's in southern Israel, southern Israel, southwest of Jerusalem. Uh, that's where they are for most of their life. Uh, Abraham's sort of journeys the whole length of it. Isaac, it sounds like Isaac really just stays right down here for uh, his entire life. Jacob, when we get to Jacob uh, in a few weeks, Jacob will actually journey all the way back up here. He'll kind of go back to where his roots are, to where Abraham uh, uh, had, had been at one time and where some of his other extended family is there. Um, but when it says he was, uh, that Isaac set out uh, to go to Gerar, he probably went from Beersheba or around Beersheba over here to Gerar. And on this map, it's, it's just that far, okay? But you remember, you've got to move an entire household. You've got to move flocks and herds, and, and you've got to walk. And you've got to walk in a famine. You've got to walk in uh, hot, dusty times, and you, don't have enough, you don't, may not have enough food to go with you. Um, uh, so anyway, there, there it is. And, there, and there's a, here's a little bit closer uh, map of it. Here's Beersheba, and here's up to Gerar. So it's actually, it's not that far. You could, uh, you could probably bike it uh, in a few hours in Israel right now. Um, but, uh, but to walk it with all your flocks and herds, that would be hard. And while he's doing that, while he's doing that, while he's, uh, while he's heading that way, while he's leaving the place where he was, God sort of stops him in his tracks. God stops him in his tracks. God knows what his plan is, that his plan is to, to get out of here. And remember, this is the promised land. This is the promised land. This is where he's supposed to be. Um, but God knows in the back of his mind, uh, you're going to go to the land of the Philistines. Uh, you're going to go, you may even end up going to Egypt. So let me just give you a moment of pause here, Isaac. And we see in verse 2, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while. Now, going to the land of the Philistines is actually not 
Uh, remember, it's not Israel at this time. It's not the land of Israel at this time. It's the land of Canaan, and there are Canaanites and all different kinds of, uh, of pagan nations living there at the moment, and one of those pagan nations is the Philistines. Um, so it's not like he's really leaving the, the promised land because uh, the, the land of the Philistines includes, uh, is included in the promised land later on. But God knows that in the back of his mind, he is apt to do exactly what his uh, father did and go down to Egypt. And most of the time in the Bible, most of the time, not, with, not when Mary and Joseph uh, go down to Egypt, but most of the time in the Old Testament, when somebody says, I'm getting out of here and I'm going to Egypt, they're, they're being disobedient and they're, and they're making a bad decision. Okay, So remember that when you're reading through the Old Testament, it says, and such and such left the land and went down to Egypt. It's a bad idea. They shouldn't have done it. They shouldn't have left the promised land. And going to Egypt is sort of like going to uh, the most evil place. It's going back to the land of slavery. It's going back to the, what God had delivered them from. When, in the Old Testament, when people go to Egypt, go back to Egypt, um, they're going someplace where, that God had delivered them from, and they shouldn't have gone there. They shouldn't have gone there. And so God tells Isaac, don't go to Egypt. Don't, don't go back to that which I have delivered you from, except that they haven't been delivered from Egypt yet. They haven't even been slaved in Egypt yet. But, um, uh, but remember, Moses writes this. Moses writes this. And they had just been delivered from Egypt. So he wants to emphasize, God is telling us always, don't go to Egypt. Don't go to Egypt. Even though there's plenty there, even though it's a powerful place, even though there's lots of food there, don't go to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you. And I'm telling you to live in this land. I'm telling you to live in the promised land. Stay in this land for a while. But it's illogical. It's completely illogical to do that. Why in the world would I stay? How can I stay here? I can't stay here. There's a famine here. It's completely, uh, I've got to be out of my mind. Everybody else is leaving. And why are they leaving? Because there's no water, because there's no food. Why in the world? I'm a person who, who needs food and water. Why in the world would I not leave? I, I have to go. It's illogical. But God has given him this command. There's no water. I realize that. There's no food. I realize that. I still want you to stay, Isaac. Even though it's illogical, even though everybody else is leaving, I want you to stay. And to extend that to our lives, to extend that to our lives, whenever we're experiencing the famine in our life, uh, take a second look. Make sure that you're living in obedience. Make sure that you should go, if you should go. And there are times to go, but there are other times you should not go, okay? So at your work, things are hard at work. Coworkers aren't very good at work. Boss isn't very good at work. Wage isn't very good uh, at work. But I would challenge you, think about it, pray about it, make sure that the Lord is getting, and this is not a ministry job. This is just secular jobs out there, things that, uh, jobs that you think have nothing to do with your Christian life. It's completely separate from my Christian life. Fooey, nothing separate from your Christian life. If you're there, you're in this place, God has ministry for you to do in that place. You've been there for years. Don't give it up so easily. You've become entrenched there. You are a part of the culture there. You are part of the solution there, not the problem. Look and make sure that you ought to leave because maybe God would say, no, I don't want you to leave. I know that this job isn't exactly what you wanted. I know that these people aren't exactly what you hoped for for coworkers. I know that this boss isn't necessarily what you wanted for a boss. And I know that this wage is certainly not what you wanted for a wage. But what if I told you to stay because I've got ministry for you to do here? What if I told you to stay? Stick it out. It won't be like this forever. Bosses come and go, you know that. Coworkers come and go, you know that. You'll probably get a cost of living raise next year anyway, all right? Maybe you ought to stay for just a little bit. 
stay in this job because there are people in this job that maybe need you as a coworker. Okay? Maybe your boss needs somebody like you. Maybe you've got the Spirit of the Lord in you, and everybody else knows it's times of famine there too. But maybe God's got some blessing for you to do while you're there. Not to receive while you're there, but to do while you're there. Same is true for your marriage. Maybe you're feeling like, you know what? This marriage, this relationship is not working out. It is not what I thought it would be. I thought that this person would, uh, you know, come into my life like a Hallmark movie and change everything. The whole circumstance would change. I would even be a better person because I married this person. Whoever you married doesn't change you. You're still you. You might be a happier you for a while until the first argument, but you're still you. You've still got your same tendencies. Just because you marry Prince Charming doesn't mean you turn into Cinderella and vice versa. Just because you marry Cinderella doesn't mean you become charming in the least. You live with a man for a while, you know how uncharming everybody can be. So I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know that there are difficult conversations that you need to have that you're avoiding. But maybe, just maybe, God would say, you know what? I know you've got every reason to leave. I know that every movie out there is telling you that you ought to leave because this is not the right person, whatever that means. This, you need to exchange this center for another center, okay? Maybe every Hallmark movie is telling you that you ought to leave. This is the jerk that you're getting away from until you meet Prince Charming the next time around, okay? But maybe the Lord would say to you, maybe if there's not adultery, maybe if there's not abuse in it, maybe if it's just not working out like you'd hoped, maybe the Lord's saying, don't, don't leave, don't leave. There's actually work for you to do here. I've actually, I've put you here for a reason. I put you in this home for a reason. Maybe you're having, experiencing famine with your kids, and it's not like you're going to disown them or anything, uh, but you're just going to stop. You're just going to say, that's it. I'm done. I've told them. I've told them a million times. I've sat, tried to have the sit-down talk with them. I've tried to argue with them. I've, I, I've had this same conversation with my child at every single volume and in every different setting in every room in this house. Maybe I'm done. Maybe I'm done. Maybe I'll just let them go. Maybe I'll just wash my hands of the whole thing. Maybe I'll just say, I did my best. I don't know what my failure was here, but I did my best, and now I'm done. And maybe the Lord would say, maybe you're not done. Maybe you can stick it out just a little bit longer. Maybe that famine will be over at, at some point. Maybe, just maybe, with my help, you can stick it out. You can stick it out. Same is true in churches. When, when, when difficult times come in churches, people say, stay here? Why in the world would I stay here? With this few people under this pastor? With these few resources? With all this conflict? No. God would certainly not want me to stay here. I'm not being fed. I think God wants me to move but maybe not. And that is not just a temptation for people in the pews either, by the way. Clergy succumb to this temptation all the time. God is moving me elsewhere. 
I know a deacon in a church in Oklahoma. He's a really funny guy. And that church has had several pastors. And he's seen other churches where the pastor moved on. God was calling them to move on. And he said, it's really strange to me how God never calls anybody to a lower salary in a smaller church. And he's right. He's right. There's a church in this uh, area, and uh, not that I want to gossip or anything, but, the, the, but this church started going through difficult times. And not just the pastor, the whole staff just cut and ran, left. What in the world? How can you be a part of a church, and when the famine comes, and when the hard times come, and when difficult decisions need to be made, you just cut and run and say, the Lord's called me to another work. I thought the Lord called you to this work. God doesn't always call us to ease and comfort. He calls us to a place with a people to dig in and be stubborn and stick it out, stubborn in the good way, stubborn in the virtuous way, not the, not the sinful way. But be part of it. And to not be somebody who just lets go and cuts and runs. And so I'll just go ahead and give you my pledge. My pledge is to stay here. My pledge is to retire from this church. That's my intention, at least. If you don't kick me out, if you don't fire me, I'll stay. I want to stay. I don't want to pastor several churches. I don't want to pastor another church. I want to retire from this right here. A lot of churches, will, uh, pastors will feel like there's a congregation that they dreamed of pastoring one day, and each church is a stepping stone until they get there. But I will tell you this, the churches that they dreamed of pastoring were built by somebody who stayed. If you keep moving, keep go, moving on and going somewhere else, you miss the chance to build the congregation that you dreamed of pastoring. The churches that I know that are the biggest, strongest, healthiest churches, and I can't say this 100%, but the churches that I know that I've been part of that were so strong like that, they didn't have multiple pastors. They had one guy there for 35 years through hard times. The church that I grew up with, um, he started as the youth director, and then the pastor left. He became the pastor, and he says, I successfully took that church from 250 down to 75. And there was a deacon, another deacon, a good deacon, the strongest deacon in that church, old brother testament. They were going to have the meeting to fire him that night. <laughs> and brother testament, in the room, while they were having the discussion, he said, I must be at the wrong meeting. I thought I was going to a meeting where we were going to chart the future of our church. But it sounds like I just came to a place where we were going to kick this guy out. And so the discussion just stopped right there. And old brother testament saved his bacon he ended up making some changes, doing some things differently, learning, growing. And the church was very strong, very big, very healthy by the time he retired. For not just clergy, but for everybody here, whatever ministry you're involved in here, that you thought it would be bigger, you thought it would be better, you thought it would be stronger, maybe it's lean times right now. Maybe it's not being as fruitful as you thought it would be. I implore you, to stay in that ministry, to keep doing that ministry, follow the Lord's command and stick it out for a bit longer. 
And the Lord knows that it's hard. He knows that it's hard. He knows that it's difficult to live in a land of famine. He knows it's difficult to be at a job where you're not growing and you're not providing or you're not earning what you thought you were earning. And it's difficult to stay at a job where you know that it's just going to be a big argument day after day after day. And he knows that it's difficult to stay in a marriage where you also know it's going to be argument after argument, day after day after day. And you're going to have to sacrifice much more, not just of your time, not just of your heart, not just of your mind, but of your dignity and your humility, whereas you just sort of take it for a little bit longer. It's hard. And he knows that it's difficult for you to keep engaging with a teenager or somebody in their 20s or a toddler where you know you just can't get through to them. Their brains are just not absorbing it. Maybe they don't even have the vocabulary that you need. They have not developed empathy yet. They're basically little bitty sociopaths. But they're so cute. Between violent outbursts, they say the cutest things, do the cutest things, and tell you you love them, and they love you, and all this stuff. And so God knows it's hard when you go through famines of affection with the people that are the most important to you in your life, or the place where you earn to provide for the family. It's hard. So he gives assurances. This is the assurance he gave to Isaac. And I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father, Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. All nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. Well, those are some strong assurances there. Uh, this, This first one. I will be with you. You're not going to go through it alone, Isaac. I'll be with you every single day. Every day without rain. Every year without a crop rotation. Every year without a harvest. Every uh, day that you have to sacrifice and eat fewer calories than you thought you were. Or every day that your, your sheep and cattle just didn't graze as much as they needed to. Guess what? I will be with you and I will bless you. And you're going to fare better, Isaac. I'll put some words in the Lord's mouth. You're going to fare better in this famine than the other people around you. Why? Because I've called you for a purpose. I've called you for a purpose. Remember, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they weren't just nobodies. They weren't just people. They weren't just regular folks in those days. They were people that God had chosen for a purpose to bring about all the salvation in the world and to ultimately bring us the Lord Jesus Christ. All nations on earth were going to be blessed, not just material blessings. They were going to get spiritual blessings. They were going to get the word of God. They were going to get salvation all through this family. Isaac, other people will go through this famine much worse than you, but you're part of my plan. It's going to be better for you. It's going to be hard for you, maybe even harder for you, but because I have called you to special ministry in this place, You will see it through. You will not perish along the way because then my plan of salvation would be thwarted and it will not be thwarted. And ultimately, there's huge blessing on the other side of this famine. 
And so for you, say at work, difficult times, the Lord goes to work with you every single day. Him full knowing what you're going to have to put up with every single day. He knows what, what, that you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. He, he knows that your coworkers woke up on the wrong side of the bed. He knows that your boss is going to take a three-hour lunch and not make a decision that needed to be made a long time ago or whatever. He knows all of that. And he, and he looks at you in the mirror every morning and says, wash your face. Let's go to work. It's time for us to go to work together. And he goes to work with you. And he has ministry for you to do there. He's given you assurances you need to give those assurances to the people around you that you work with there as well. It'll work out. We'll be fine. Let me give you some blessing. Let me give you some hope. Let me give you some promise. Let me pray for you today. Do the ministry that you've got to do at your work, at your boring little office job that you think makes no difference. Do uh, your ministry there. And in your family, God, uh, God sees you and he knows your spouse is coming home from work and he knows what kind of day they've had and he knows what kind of day you've had. And he knows that when you walk in the house or when that person walks in the house, how the greeting is going to go. And he knows what's going to be the distraction that keeps you from connecting that night. He knows all of these things. And he says, let's go home. Let's wait for whoever to come home. Let's have a very tense dinner around this table. I will be with you. I will be with you in every conversation, in every silence, in every argument, in everything. I will be with you. And stick it out. Better days are coming for the marriage. Okay? And with your kids as well. He knows what kind of day they've had at school kind of week they've had at work, what kind of whatever, what kind of year they've had. He knows how difficult it's going to be, but he will be with you. He will be with you. And for churches, he gives us some great assurances as well. If we pledge to stay in, if we dig in and be uh, stubborn as we need to be in the virtuous way, he will be with us better days are ahead. And it's easy for me to make that promise now. And it's easy for anybody to make that promise now. We're living in the good times, the salad days or whatever here at Faith Christian Church. Our attendance is up. Our offerings are up. Everything is good. Whatever we want to do, whatever resource we need, we've got it, okay? The only thing we might be experiencing a famine of here sometimes is volunteers, volunteers. We need more people to be involved in what we're doing. We need all the ministry heads to look out there and say, I'm going to take you under my wing. I've claimed you, you're mine. I'm going to take you under my wing, and I'm going to show you how I do what I do here at church, and I'm going to teach you, and guess what? You're going to also be part of the blessing and all the ministry that is done here at this church. We've got plenty of money. We've got a very nice facility. We've got a lot of people around here. We've got um, um, plenty of human resources, if you will. Let's just get them going. Let's just get them going. Let's Let's, let's get some of these some of you ministry heads tapping people on the shoulder saying, what's your name? You look like you'd be good at this. I, I've seen you do this. You seem to be gravitating towards this. I, I want you to be closer in on this ministry. 
I want you to be a part of what I'm doing here. God will give us all these great assurances that better days are coming. Uh, let me just read a few. Um, did I put them in here? Whoop, I didn't put them in here. Let me quote a few verses to you. Romans 8, 28. Uh, I'll work all things together for the good, for those of you who, are, who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. All right? If, if you're going through difficult times, whatever that difficulty is, God's going to turn it around. He's going to turn it around. Because why? Not, he doesn't do this for everybody. He, calls, he, calls this for, he does this for people who are called for his purposes. But if you're following the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got a calling on your life. You've got God's purposes working in your life. So I can give you that assurance. God's going to work all these famines, all these difficulties out for good, and you're going to be a blessing on the other side of it. Romans 8.38, nothing's going to separate us from the love of God. You may feel like, I'm in times of famine. I'm in times of difficulty. What in the world? Uh, I thought God loved me. I thought everything was going to be abundant here. No, he hasn't called us to a life of comfort and ease. He's called us to live a Christ-like life in the midst of discomfort and unease and conflict and lean times. But nothing will separate us from his love. And Philippians 1, 6. Uh, I will, uh, until, the, until the Lord return, I'll, he who began a good work in you, there it is. He who began a good work in you will finish it, all right? God isn't, God isn't just a starter. He's a finisher. He starts things, he finishes things. Genesis, Revelation, the beginning, the end. He starts, he finishes. Alpha, Omega. And in your life and in your calling and whatever work ministry he's got for you to do here, he will start it and he will finish it for you. Stay in his will. Your sanctification, your personal Christian life, it's got a good future. if You just stay on the course with the Lord. I wanted to bring up a couple of a couple of things. Celebrate recovery. Um, I know that a year ago or so, when when Celebrate Recovery started, we knew that we started with a group of say ten people or or something like that. And I think we all had the vision that uh, there are so many people around here that need it that by the end of the year it's going to be hundred people or something, because we know everybody knows a hundred people that need to be coming to Celebrate Recovery that have habits, hurts, hangups in it. How many people do we have right now? Well, the same 10 or so, okay? Between 9 and 15 people, I think, is what we normally have every Tuesday night. Maybe we thought, oh, it would be more, but there's a famine or something like that. And I'll just say, Chris and Lorna, stick it out. The command is to stay. <laughs> stay where you are, okay? Not that they've been tempted to give it up or anything, but they've told me about you may not think it's being as fruitful as you'd hoped. It's about as fruitful as I'd hoped. But let me tell you, it's fruitful in my life. It's fruitful in your life. There are three or four people around here that I know. But because of confidentiality, I'm not going to tell you who they are. But I know that there's fruit being born in their lives. For, so for my sake, for three or four others of us, for your sake, let's stick with it, okay? Because... The crowds are, <laughs> are coming, and at some point they'll be here. And that will yield other problems, okay? You may think that having few people is a problem. Well, have, have a thousand people, and you'll see a problem, okay? Uh, I, and all I can give you is the assurance of, of Hannah and the youth group. Hannah, Hannah had, uh, she has probably 15, 12, 15 in the youth group every Sunday night now. 
for a very, very, very long time, she had three. And there were several Sunday nights when she had one in the youth group. Okay? But she stuck through the hard times. She stuck through the lean times. And now, the abundant times come. These things go in cycles. Just like with nature, these things go in cycles. All right? But God gives us the command, stick it out in the hard times. He gives us the assurance, I'll be with you. And he gives the, uh, the promise of the end result. You don't see the future, but I do. And uh, there's huge blessing coming. So much blessing on you, your cup will run over and spill on other people. Okay? That is how it will work out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for assurances. We thank you even for the command, the life that you've given us, the will that you've given us, the purpose that you've given us, the calling that you've given us. Help us to stay true to it, Lord. And help us to have some vision to see the eventual end result, maybe years down the road, where if we stick it out, guess what? Fruitful days, abundant days will come. Help us to have that faith, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.